Did you know that if you want to run pain-free, you might not need new shoes or new shorts or a different way of running or different duration? I mean, you know, it might be as simple as changing your breathing. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what we're going to jump into today on this episode of the Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body, starting feet first, usually all this time, it might be starting lungs first. We'll find out. Um, you know, those things down there, they are your foundation. And we break down the propaganda, the mythology, sometimes the flat out lies people have told you about what it takes to run or walk or play or do yoga or CrossFit, whatever you like to do, to do that enjoyably and efficiently. And did I mention enjoyably? I know I did. It's a trick question. Because um, if you're not having Fun, please do something different till you are. I'm Stephen Sashin, your host of the Movement Movement Podcast, CEO of Zero Shoes. If you don't know about us, go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. You'll find previous episodes, all the different ways you can interact with us. Um, you can leave comments. You can do you know whatever you want to do. We say we're creating a movement about natural movement, the movement movement. So you're the one helping create the moving part of that by sharing, liking, giving a thumbs up, hit the bell on YouTube, all those things you know how to do. In short, if you want to be part of the tribe, please subscribe. Okay, let's jump in. Amy, I think I give a good setup that pain-free running might be as simple as breathing, which mm -hmm. is a good one. Do you want to say hello and tell people who the hell you are and why the hell you're here? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, Stephen. I appreciate it. I'm Dr. Amy Novotny. I am here because I can give a little bit of insight into how to run long distances pain-free. So I'll run 50 miles pain-free. I do ultra marathons. I do marathons, done Boston. So I have a little bit of a background and I have my doctorate in physical therapy. So I have, a, you know, some experience in this area. And a few years ago, about seven years ago now, I started diving into looking at the lungs, the diaphragm, and the nervous system, the fight or flight nervous system that ramps us up. I started diving into it and what really happens when we feel that tension, when we feel that stress. And mm -hmm. I realized that our breathing impacts that system, that system impacts our breathing, and both of those are impacted by our body position. So if we can look at all three of those areas, we can shift our body and get it moving in ways that we never thought possible. So A, thanks. B, so you are the anti-me, in addition to being um, a blonde <laughs> woman, um, although we are sharing hair today. Um, we but, are. But other than that, as a competitive sprinter, the idea of driving the distance that you talked about running is not interesting to me. So I, I, so I love that. So is there anything, I mean, well, I want to back up a little bit and pick apart a bit of just what you just said. So yeah. what was the thing that really kind of the pivotal moment, that aha moment that led you to diving into this? Were you sure. injured? Were you... No, actually, I wasn't injured. So it first started, I was offered a new position as a director of a clinic, and I started taking some courses in breathing. The same time I had run several marathons, and I was trying to qualify for Boston, it was a little bit elusive. So I was on the treadmill, practicing doing some tempo runs high speed, and I started messing with my breathing. And I realized when I shifted, all of a sudden, all that tightness in my legs went away, and everything became easier. I'm like, oh, what happened? How did I do that? How do I repeat that? How do I teach that? And so that's how, that's literally how it happened. You didn't go to the next one. How do I make a million dollars with this? No, I haven't gone there yet. <laughs> that's the next step. Yeah. So, 
So what was the thing that, I mean, can you, like for me, when I got out of my big, thick padded motion control, traditional shoes and was running barefoot, it was my second barefoot run where in one step, it went from difficult and painful to effortless and a blast. Yeah. And that was actually what allowed me to stop just running hundred meters. And if I wanted to run a few miles, I could, I just don't like doing mm -hmm. it. But, um, <laughs> but I know what, I, I mean, that moment is still emblazoned in my brain was so, mm -hmm. and I know exactly what I did. I stopped overstriding and pointing my toes. So I stopped mm -hmm. putting the brakes on with the ball of my foot and, yeah. and everything changed. Do you have yeah. a similar memory of what that thing was that, in your breathing that shifted? Yeah, actually I was able to keep my ribs down. I released my belly button, my ribs dropped down and this wave of relaxation just came over my body. And all of a sudden my hips just freed up, my pelvis freed up. And now it was like, you know, the coyote and the road runner and the rotor is yeah. running and the body is just in this yeah. chill mode. It's exactly how I felt. And I realized, oh, I don't have any tightness. I don't need to stretch afterwards. I don't have to roll afterwards. No more scraping, no more, you know, whatever. <laughs> I didn't have to do it anymore because I took away that fight or flight sympathetic tone out of my muscles so that when I stopped the muscle contraction voluntarily, I didn't right. have this overriding tension that was related to a sympathetic nervous system of a guarding motion, a guarding protective state. And so there's some positions I'll do after a long distance race where I squat and hold onto a pole. And I just, I do this breathing and it just releases everything. And so I can pop back up and walk normally again. It's so funny. Um, I love some of what you said about like not stretching afterwards. It was something that I never did because it didn't seem to make any sense. The research yeah. actually backs that up, but it's still something people think you have to do. Yeah. Um, there's so many things that are just at this point, kind of urban mythology about mm -hmm. what it takes to run enjoyably, et cetera, et cetera. I get some videos the other day. We're shooting some, some videos for some new, um, uh, new shoes that we're coming out with. And so the production company sent me some videos of the people they want to be in these videos. And uh, they said, you know, they're really accomplished runners. And so you're going to love them. And they had the worst running form I've ever seen in my life. And it's like, yeah. yeah, congratulations that they've been able to somehow do whatever it is they do, but oh yeah. my God, no. So it's a fascinating thing, that gap between what we think we're supposed to do and then discovering something radical like what you mm -hmm. did. And yeah. so once you had this sort of aha moment and et cetera, mm -hmm. what happened next? Were you just doing this for yourself or did you immediately start bringing this into practice with clients or? Yeah. So I played on myself for a while because I wanted to see, I didn't know what I was stumbling on at first. I didn't realize the connection between changing my breathing and calming my nervous system down. So I studied about that for a while. And then, you know, I ran another ma a marathon, dropped seven minutes off my time with no other changes. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot, I'm really into something. And then I did another marathon, dropped another seven minutes. So I blew past the qualifying for Boston. But the other thing that happened during those races is when I started to develop pain, I changed my breathing back to this method that I've worked on and the pain just went away because I focused on exhaling and putting my foot a certain way or feeling something and it released muscles and I went back into neutral. So once I had a couple marathons under my belt, I started dabbling with clients and saying, okay, we're going to try breathing through a straw or a balloon and kind of mess with your breathing a little bit. Some were gung ho, some were 
no way get that away from me. <laughs> Never in the world are you going to touch me with this stuff. And so there was some pushback. I had pushback from different physicians and doctors at first. And then slowly. Wait, what did they, what could they possibly say? I mean, they said you were supposed to be treating people for their knee pain or shoulder pain. I don't want you doing any breathing with them. I literally got that. My boss at the time told me, don't do that if the doctors don't want it. Otherwise, you're not going to see these clients. And so it started to shift, though, when I got people better, faster than anything they've seen. People with nerve pain that have traditionally supposed to take, you know, months to recover. They got better in half that time. And so then doctors started to come see me. Then people started <laughs> flying from other states to come see me to get them out of joint replacements, knee replacements, stuff like that. And then things started shifting. And then, you know, I got hired to travel around the world to keep a guy out of a couple surgeries. And then I came back and said, I'm starting my own practice, my own business. So I don't have to worry about someone being afraid of me teaching their patients, their clients on how to breathe differently. And so it just gives me the freedom to work with people. And now I can coach whoever I want on how to shift. It really is interesting. The if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail phenomenon that yeah. does kick in. Um, of course, there's the flip side of that. You just gave me a flashback. I had shoulder surgery three years ago, mm -hmm. and my doctor after the surgery, he comes in. He goes, "You know, we did a lot of work in there." I said, "I don't know how I feel about you being so giddy." And he said, "Just you know, <laughs> FYI," he says, "It's going to be about two years to recover." <sighs> and my insurance company disagreed. They thought I was fine in three weeks. Yeah. So that was, a, that was a very entertaining one. Yeah. Um, so I would be shocked if people who are listening slash watching are not thinking, so tell me what this, what it is, what do I do? Yeah. So what I'll do is I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a tutorial on how to get started because okay. what I can teach you right now can actually get you out of a lot of pain, get you started. And then one-on-one -on -one stuff is when people are more complicated and they want, you know, you know, additional help. So we're going to start by going in a seated position. So I want everyone, we're going to do a little test first. I want you to sit in your perfect posture. Can you get into that perfect posture? Think of what it is, how it feels, and then just take note of your body. What do you feel? Do you feel your back working, your belly working, your butt working, shoulders, neck, just kind of get an idea of that. Then most of people have sat up in their chair, sat up rigid. Now I want you to sit back in your chair, sit all the way back in your chair. So you're going to allow your low back to relax into the chair back, let your tailbone curl under you. Now here's the hard part, let that belly fall out. Let your belly button just open up and fall out. Hold now- on, Hold on, I'm literally, I'm literally <laughs> uh, undoing the drawstring in my pants right now. That works too. Undo that belt, undo that first button, whatever it takes. Belts, who wears belts? Come on, it's COVID time, you need a belt. That's true, everyone's in sweatpants. If they're wearing uh, pants at all. <laughs> yes, you read my mind. The only reason I'm in pants is because I'm in the office. So exactly. The first thing I do when I get home after I take off my shoes, if I'm wearing shoes, and I wish I could say anything other than this, I say too many pants and then they're gone. So, um, all right. Awesome. Right. Well, they'll make it easier for you to practice this at home when after we go through it. So <laughs> you're all set. So we're going to sit all the way back. Let your tailbone curl under you. Belly button is out because that is your gatekeeper for your rib cage. When you suck that belly button up and in, it's gonna lift the front of your ribs up, which is going to put you in fight or flight mode because your rib cage now, instead of being a cylinder, it becomes a hinge. Mm. You hinge off your lower back when you lift up that rib cage and pull your shoulders back. Soon as that happens, 
back muscles kick in, they crunch on that fight or flight nervous system, your tension ramps up in your body. So we want to go opposite of that. So we're going to let the belly out. So that front of the rib cage drops down. It helps to relax your back muscles. Okay. It's interesting. I'm noticing that I have to make a surprisingly deliberate effort to relax my belly. Because you are used to sucking it up and in. You're used to being in fight or flight mode. You're used to being on, 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 and never turning off. You'll hey, be look, I, I didn't come here for a therapy session, babe. So. <laughs> you're getting it whether or not you like it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Right, okay. So. Therapy um, 101 done. Okay. Yeah. Now, we want your knees at the level of your hips are higher. So if that means lowering your chair, lower your chair. Or if you have awesome. Move so, my screen down. Good. Okay. Got now, it. if you have books, put books under your feet, just make sure those knees are higher than your hips because it yeah. allows your back to turn off. Okay. Now we're going to put one hand on your chest, one hand on your belly. I'll change. People can see a little bit better. So one hand on the chest, one hand on the belly. We're going to use our hands as a cue to our body to change the way we breathe. Wait, I want to back up to yes. the knees thing. So sure. this is like a thing for squatting. When people say, if you're going to squat, you want your, you got to have your hips below your knees to be a full squat. And the people get into a debate about what, where you're measuring your hips, where you're measuring your knees. So for squatting, they're looking at the hip crease and the top of the knees. So when mm -hmm. we're looking now to have our knees higher than our hips, is it top of our knees and hip crease or something, some other measurement? Yep. Top of the knees and hip crease. Okay, so great. just make sure knees are higher than those hip creases. Yes. Got it. Okay. Okay. So now in that position, it should feel easier to tuck your tailbone under you a little bit too. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to use our hands as a way to help us move our body in a manner that we're not used to. Now, if you have a straw, I tell people grab a straw. If you don't have one, no worries, but I use a straw, I'll take a paper plastic one, cut it in half and then put it between my lips. Wait, I'm going to do, I don't have a straw, but I have a pen that I'm going to take apart. That works too. I have uh, plenty of people I, who use those. Yeah. At least I thought I had a pen that I was going to take apart. Um, uh, no ink poisoning allowed. <laughs> well, I, boy, I don't know how the hell they can make this. This I, You know, I have all these pens that end up getting uh, taken apart when I don't mm -hmm. mean for them to, but now when I want to, I can't figure out how. Uh, I got half of it. Oh, wait, wait. Hey, Ask got it. a cylinder? I got a cylinder out, but then there's the okay. there's a, the push pointy thing that I can't unscrew. Oh. All right, well, all right, I, I will okay. pass on I will pass on the straw thing and pretend. Oh wait, I'll use this okay. tiny little piece. There you go. That works. Okay, so you want it between your lips, not between your teeth. No clenching with your teeth. That's just going to increase your tone. Okay, so I'm going to keep talking. So we'll we'll watch you have the straw in your mouth. Okay. So, so for, first you put me in therapy. Now you make me look like a moron. <laughs> one of my friends. See, uh, by the time I'm done with you, everything will seem so much easier in life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. I have to try and not laugh while I'm doing this. I know. Okay, so we're going to go through four steps for breathing. Now it's going to seem easy at first, but I'm going to make it more complicated in a second and make you feel even more inadequate than I already have, Stephen. <laughs> so, so just preparing you mentally. Okay. <laughs> So. This is worse than a high school reunion. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying my best. Okay. So we're going to breathe in the nose, pause a second, blow out through the mouth straw or pen, and then hold your breath and pause three seconds. Okay. I'm going to coach you through that and get you into this relaxed state. And as we do it, I'm going to start to cue you to focus on different parts of your body to let go. Okay. Yep. So here we go. 
So we're going to do a gentle breath in your nose. Feel the air go in your nose. Pause. Now blow out through the straw. Hear the air coming out of the straw as a whoosh. Then hold your breath. Hold it. Hold it. Now breathe in your nose passively. Think in your nose, air going horizontally to your throat. Pause and blow out through that straw. Hear the air coming out. Then hold, hold. Now breathe in. Gently breathe in the nose. Pause. Now blow out through the straw and feel your chest melt under your hand as you blow out. Good. Hold your breath. Hold. Now breathe in. Gently breathe in your nose, guiding the air to your throat. Pause and blow out through the straw, allowing your chest to melt in and your belly to spill out. Hold, hold, and breathe in. Keep the ribs down as you breathe in. Feel the air go in your nose passively. Pause and blow out. Feel your breastbone melt under your hand. Your ribs are dropping down as that belly spills out. Hold and breathe in. Gentle breath in your nose to your throat. Feel the air fill up your throat. Pause and blow out. Feel your chest melting in away from your hand, away from your shirt as your belly opens up. Hold, hold and breathe in. Keep those ribs down, shoulders down as you breathe in your nose to your throat. Pause and blow out. Feel the chest melt in. Armpits are relaxing as your low back lets go. Hold, hold, and breathe in. Keep the ribs down as we breathe in. Feel the air go in without effort. Pause and blow out. Feel your breastbone melt in. Your ribs are deflating. Your low back lets go, butt cheeks open up. Hold and breathe in. Keep those ribs down as you breathe in. Feel the air go in passively and blow out. Chest melts in. Feel that low back let go as your belly spills out. Tailbone drops down. Hold, hold. Now breathe in passively. Feel the air go in your nose horizontally to your throat. Pause and blow out. Collarbones drop away from your chin. Ribs are dropping down away from your armpits. Hold and breathe in. Gentle breath in. Feel the air go in without effort. Pause and blow out. Melt that chest in. Feel the ribs drop away from your armpits. Belly spills out. Hold. Hold. And breathe in. Keep the ribs down, back relaxed as you inhale to your throat. And blow out. Melt away from your shirt. Your belly opens up. Ribs drop down. Low back relaxes. Hold. Hold. And take a break. So that gave you cool. <laughs> that gave you an idea of how to get started. So um, I'm going to tell you some of the things I experienced. Um, just yeah. to make this be useful. So first, I'm trying to think of how I want to describe this. There's some things that you can do that are 
cues or triggers for other things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the things that I noticed was the position of my head and my neck changing Mm -hmm. totally naturally without any effort on my part. Um, uh, And so my, my neck was lengthening. My chin was coming back a little bit. That was all relaxing. Um, That was a really interesting, surprising thing. The most surprising one actually was I started by looking up at where the camera is on my computer and Mm -hmm. my, as I was doing that, my eyes just couldn't stay up and they ended up going down, down, down until I was looking kind of like, like, you know, maybe down 15 degrees from horizontal or so. So mm-hmm. not, you know, all the way down, but like way down. The other thing, it was interesting once you mentioned lower back and butt cheeks. Um, mm-hmm. And I always like it when people mention butt cheeks anyway. So that was fun. But the, um, and that's such a weird phrase that we came up with butt cheeks. That doesn't seem right. Anyway, that's a whole other story. So, but it was interesting because, so I have a compromised spine. I got a grade two L5S1 spondylolisthesis with a PARS defect mm-hmm. for people who are into geeky things like that. Yep. So there's always something going on in my spine because otherwise it would fall apart. Um, yeah. But so bringing the awareness to that was really helpful. And um, I'm also just realizing I didn't shave today because I forgot that we were doing this. <laughs> so many thoughts, so much little time. So, uh, but that was a really interesting reminder to feel that. And it was also just fascinating seeing how with almost every exhale, I could get things to drop yet another yep. notch. Yep. And how that again rippled the dropping of the sternum led directly to that kind of opening up of the back of my neck and the change in yeah. my head position. And so that was all really cool. Now I'm imagining the thought that people are having is that's fine. What do I do when I'm running? Right. So I recommend people start to practice this in a comfortable position. So you want to start seated because if we're changing the way you breathe, you need everything else relaxed. Then you start practicing that same method while you're walking. Then you can start implementing a version. Yes. With your straw straw. or pen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Your hollow pen. So then you start implementing it when you're running. Now the difference with running is that you may take air in through your nose and your mouth, but then blow it out through your mouth. But the rest of the concepts still apply is you want, when you're blowing out, you want your ribs to go down. You actually open your belly so that the ribs can drop down. And what happens is your side abs start to learn how to keep your ribs down. So then when you go to breathe in, the side abs are kicked in so you don't lift up your ribs and use your back to get air in. Because what happens is your diaphragm needs support in order for it to work well. That support comes from your side abs being contracted during the inhalation. So if you're lifting up your ribs to inhale, that means you're not using your diaphragm the way it's designed. You're actually using your ribs to lift up to create negative space for air to flow in Mm. instead of that diaphragm having support and dropping down to create negative space for air to come in. So when people are breathing and running, especially if you're doing anything long distance, you don't want your ribs flaring up and down when you're running. Most people have that when they're like, I'm taking a deep breath in and out and their ribs are going up and down, up and down. You don't want that. If you put your hands on your lower ribs, you want to feel that they're staying still even if you're breathing and running at the same time. You should be able to move your arms and legs, but those ribs are not moving and they're flush with the muscles underneath where it's just steady and stable. So as I'm moving, I'm moving my leg and my arm and I'm sitting here talking to you, but those ribs are not moving. And that's what you want to accomplish because you know then that you're using your diaphragm and you're in neutral. 
Interesting. I had a thought that flew right out of my <laughs> brain. Oh, so yeah. in the first instruction for just sitting, which was basically curl your spine, tuck your yeah. pelvis under. So, you know, more of a, I, I can never remember anterior posterior because it always seems weird to me, but either way. So, posterior. you know, tucking your yeah. tailbone under, let's just yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about that positioning and how that relates to when you're running. So the reason I have you do that seated is because I want you to turn off your back muscles. Mm. Often we arch our low back so much and we try to flatten our upper back and thoracic spine. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is it kicks in your fight or flight nervous system. Now, the more I arch my back and tip my pelvis forward, the more I'm going to use my back to run instead of my thigh muscles to run. I'll use my calves and my back when my pelvis is tipped forward and my back is arched. So I want to get you away from that because that also changes our breathing to fight or flight mode when you arch your back. So I want to get us as much into relaxation mode with our breathing and with our body position. So I get the back to curl a little bit to relax. So then you can work on your breathing to shift into parasympathetic. So when you're running now, try not to arch your back, try to allow your back to relax into a neutral position. So your pelvis can roll back a little bit and you'll start to feel your thighs more. Mm -hmm. You won't rely so heavily on the back muscles and the calf muscles and you switch to your thighs. It's really interesting dealing with the number of people we have who've switched from wearing padded over protective motion controlled, mm -hmm. blah, 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 footwear to yeah. something like ours. One of the number one things that I tell people is relax more. So yeah. they think that it's about, well, I have to build up all this new strength in my calves. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, that you might do a little bit of that, but the first step is relax more. Don't use them more. Mm -hmm. um, or it's a variation where people say, well, I need to build up calluses on my feet. I go, no, no, no. If you check out any of us who are accomplished barefoot runners, we don't have calloused feet. They go, well, I need to build up extra, you know, thick skin. It's like, yeah, that, that's not going to be it either. And by the way, that takes years. So don't worry about that. That's not going to be, that's a bonus. But the key thing is just the relaxing more, which seems so counterintuitive to people when you're running, which is, I mean, as fight or flight goes, that's the thing yeah. you do to flight. So yeah. it's, it's a fascinating paradox. Yeah. And the thing is, so we have this spectrum. So if we think the most relaxed we are is parasympathetic relaxation. We're just in chill mode. And then if you think you're at the other end of the spectrum, you're on sympathetic threshold, you know, a gunshot went off, your house is on fire, you're in major mode. So running is somewhere in between, but we can also learn to control our nervous system. That's what I teach people is as you're running, everything's going to ramp up. You start breathing heavy when you first start running, if you're, especially if you're not experienced. Any sport, this works the same way. Sure. And then as you get more experienced, you don't have such a reaction. But now the thing is, if you start something and you get more experience and you're able to relax down, the problem is there was sympathetic tone that developed when you first started that activity. Mm -hmm. If you don't recognize and you don't sense and feel in your body it releasing and you don't know how to release it, that sympathetic tone still stays there. Right. Even as you become more experienced, that layer of tone, that muscle contraction on top of normal stays there because your brain can't sense it relaxing. And we have the most incredible ability to habituate. Humans are amazing. Totally. Well, you know, and, and to your point, I mean, this is the thing, again, just bringing it back to what we do, because it's all about me. Um, the thing, it's not about, you know, f the mm -hmm. footwear. It's not about whether you're running barefoot or in zero yeah. shoes or whatever else. It's about the feedback. Yeah. And this is a thing that people don't really quite get is 
we've had people on uh, on the podcast who've done Feldenkrais work and other mm-hmm. things where the key thing is getting your brain to recognize what's going on so yeah. it can go, oh, oh, that was a big mistake. Uh, yeah. Did not realize that was happening. Yeah. And so that's really, really, you know, what we say about running either barefoot or in zero shoes is you're becoming your own best coach. You're learning to hear that people always want a very simple, specific thing to do. It's like, well, it doesn't work that way. It changes if you're running uphill, downhill, faster, slower, accelerating, decelerating, depending on the weather. So, you know, you've got to be able to get that information to be able to then be fluid enough to work with that information. You can't mm-hmm. do it. I'm sure there's some better phrase for um, if you can't feel it, you can't. Hey, if you can't feel it, you can't heal it. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. TM, registered trademark. Don't ever say that to anybody else. <laughs> I'm so, taking it. Um, so I, I love how you're bringing that awareness to this process in a way that most people clearly have not. I mean, especially about breathing, especially about how you're mm-hmm. using transverse abs. I mean, the whole, that was a very simple exercise and there's a lot in there. It is. And as you practice it, you'll discover more and more. Right. It's some people think, oh, you're just teaching breathing. Mm-mm. You're actually learning to control your body again. And as you dive into it and you start realizing where your body's holding that sympathetic tension mm-hmm. that you are, your brain's not aware of right now, you start getting deeper into the exercise, deeper and deeper, and your body just transforms. It's incredible. I had a weird thought um, that I want to share with you that's related to that. So one of the ways that we know that we are an individual self-identity person, human that, you know, with a name there's like all these little components that I refer to as the qualities of thought. Like the sense of I is um, there's a location quality. You know, if you ask where you are, people point at themselves. They don't point to some other corner of the room. There's yeah. a familiarity thing. You kind of, you know, you're used to your, who you are, um, which goes to back to habituation that you mentioned yeah. before. If we, if it's ongoing, we just stop paying attention. There's yeah. a continuity thing. Like we feel like we're the same person we were when we were children, even though we obviously are not the same person we were when we were children. Yeah. There's a kinesthetic component, obviously there's a body thing. I mean, you feel like you're you and you would probably feel like you were you, even if you got rid of your arms and legs, which is yeah. a weird thing to think. So there's yeah. all these like components that go in to the sense of self. And when you start to become aware of those or pay attention to those things, you realize how much effort you're expending to hold on to all of that, to keep yeah. that going. And yeah. once you realize how much effort you're applying to hold on to it, you can kind of temporarily let go of that, or at least let, you know use less effort, exactly. which not surprisingly does all the same things that we were just talking about. Yeah, I just thought of this. I've never played with that while I was sprinting, but the one thing that I do before every race, mm-hmm. so I'm at the start, it's an indoor 60 or it's an outdoor hundred meters. Yeah. I look at the finish and I realize that the only reason it looks three-dimensional is because we have two eyes separated by some distance and then our brain makes it look three-dimensional. If you just pay attention to the brain part, I know that sounds weird. Mm-hmm. Then suddenly all that 3d stuff flattens out. So it yeah. feels like I'm looking at a picture and the finish is just, you know, a couple inches away. Yeah. And then I start the race. I mean, I wait till the gun goes off, but it's, <laughs> it's a funny thing that I do to mm-hmm. relax before a sprint which is a very high intensity thing. I'll never forget being the world championships in Berlin in whatever that was 12 years ago or so watching Tyson Gay and Usain Bolt sitting next to each other uh, on the little seat behind the blocks before the race started. And they looked like they were going to fall asleep. They were going in relaxation. Conserving. Yeah, Yeah. it was really cool. And then right before they started where no one could see, they looked at each other and kind of gave a a low five 
And then they yeah. got up and got in the blocks. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> They're smart. They're conserving their energy. They yeah. are staying in parasympathetic relaxation because when we're hyped up, we're expending energy for no reason yeah. at all, just to hold our body position and to maintain a fight or flight, short, shallow breathing method. But they are relaxed. They were probably, just, you know, kind of hunched over or curled mm -hmm. up or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Because they know innately how to calm down their body and they're not wasting their energy so they can use it in those whatever seconds that they're going to run. Yeah. The other thing too, which actually you may be able to experiment with, with some of your races is in your sprint, try to get your ribs down and calm your breathing as much as possible because it'll allow your, your legs to run faster well, for a longer a, period of time. It's a really interesting thing because in a 60 meter race, I have, I get like two breaths tops. So mm -hmm. exhaling on the start, and then, so I don't have an inhale until about maybe 15 meters, maybe 20 meters, depending on how much I'm really pushing on the start. And then I get another breath in the 60, somewhere around 40. In the 100, I get like two more breaths. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of breathing that goes on at all. But to your point, one of the key things that I pay attention to is relaxing because once I, the more I can relax, the faster my cadence. Yep. And Absolutely. as a short sprinter, I um, I need to get those extra mm -hmm. steps in at the right speed because yeah. guys who have you know longer stride lengths because they're taller, I can't match that. So yeah. that's something that I paid attention to since day one is noticing that the more I relax, the faster I can move. Yep. Absolutely. Because it's going to free up. When you relax, your rib cage can drop, your pelvis can go in neutral, all of a sudden your legs can move. Your It cr creates space for your hips. Your hips can move, mm -hmm. so your legs can turn over faster. How so, does this relate to, and we only have a little bit of time, so yeah. I'm, I'm diving into something kind of big. How okay. does this relate to the fact that most runners that I see who are having, especially injured runners, they wouldn't know a glute medius if they, if one hit them on the head, which would be yeah. very entertaining if one did. And often they, you know, they aren't using their glutes or hamstrings, they're prime movers yeah. to move. So talk to me about that interplay. The reason why, if your low back is really contracted and very arched, your pelvis is tipped forward. So you now rely on your hip flexors because your hips are going to be bent because your pelvis is tipped forward, mm -hmm. your low back muscles and your calf muscles. So whenever I see someone with really strong calves, I say, oh gosh, that poor person. I don't say, oh my God, you look great. I say, oh my God, you're a poor person. Oh, come on. I was a gymnast. Right. That's how I got my calves. Come on. Get, throw me a bone. I, I already know you're in fight or flight mode because you told me how much you sank during the exhalation. So you're, you're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 yeah, yeah, but, 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 but so people, <laughs> and the, the thing is you can strengthen your hamstrings and glutes all day long until the yeah. cows come home. But if you haven't changed your trunk position, your rib and your pelvis right. position, you're not going to access them and running. So you're going to continue to use your calves, your back and your hip flexors, which is where people get in trouble. So you have to learn how to shift your ribs down to release your low back. So your pelvis goes in neutral. Then you start feeling your hamstrings in a way you never thought possible. Yeah. You feel your glutes in a way you never thought possible. So then you get a nice booty. <laughs> um, yeah, I've always said that they, in America, they completely miss market track and field where it should be, you know, just the world's greatest booty contest because <laughs> holy smokes, I was at the Atlanta Olympics and I was like, I'm not even a butt man, but wow. You are so, now. <laughs> I, I totally am now. <laughs> so uh, on that note, anything else that um, you can think of that we want to kind of toss in there before we have to sadly call it a something? Yeah, just people, when you are going throughout your daily life, just watch how much you suck your gut up and in. 
really just start practicing and let your belly hang out. We're in a virtual world nowadays, so you don't even have to worry about it. You can let your gut hang out and no one has to see that. Just put the camera up higher, but (laughs) start practicing, noticing it when you're driving, when you're talking on the phone, when you're in the middle of meetings, when you're running, you will notice how much you guard yourself. And basically you're cutting off your midsection. It's like you're closing off all the energy that wants to flow through you by creating this hourglass instead of creating a cylinder. So just consider that and however I can help. If people want to reach out, I'm, you know, Keep going. So if people do want to reach out, how would they do that? Um, so I tell people if I can give you resources, I have plenty of videos, resources. I have a guided breathing group for free. Um, they can reach out to me, Amy, A-M-Y at Paber Institute, P-A-B-R Institute.com that we can set up a free 15 minute consultation. I can find out what their needs are. If they need some videos for free, if they need to join a group for free, or I do one-on-one coaching. So, and that's done virtually. I have clients all over the world. So however I can serve them. Well, Amy, A, thank you. B, this is way, way, way fun, Um, especially because we have had zero conversation prior to this conversation. And so it's always wonderful to find someone who's thought through this as well and as as exquisitely as you had. And I just, you know, really, really appreciate it. And uh, this definitely messed me up on Sunday when I'm out on the track, I'm sure. So, uh, which I'm looking forward to actually. Anyway, well, first, thanks. You don't go away, but let me just say goodbye to everyone. So first, thank you all for being here. Um, You've got Amy's info, drop her a line, find her website if you want to do that. And ours again is at uh, jointhemovementmovement.com. If you have any questions or feedback or suggestions or recommendations for people who should be on the podcast, drop me an email, move at jointhemovementmovement.com. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, go check out zeroshoes.com if you want to find super ridiculously comfortable, lightweight footwear for everything that you do. Um, I think that's all I've got other than, oh yeah, again, if you like what's going on here, please just spread the word, share and like and thumbs up and blah, blah, blah. You know how to do it. I don't to tell you. Again, if you want to be part of the tribe, just subscribe. But most importantly, go out, have fun and live life feet first.